Our scripture passage for today comes from Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week, our congregation received the news that our senior pastor of nearly 24 years, Dr. Doyle Sager, has stage four lung cancer. While Pastor Doyle and his family are exploring the best options for treatment of Doyle's cancer, they're also grieving and trying to cope emotionally and spiritually with this incredibly difficult news. Along with them, we are stunned and heartbroken. Rod, Melissa, and I, pastors here on staff at First Baptist, know that Doyle means so much to so many of you. He's been present with you in some of the lowest and some of the highest moments of your life. For some of you, Doyle is the only senior pastor that you have known during your time as a member of this congregation. For others, Doyle is the only senior pastor you've known in your lifetime. Pastors, when they're really good like Doyle is, reflect back to us understanding, compassion, and a naming of God's presence in our lives. This weaves our lives together in ways that have great depth and meaning and also great pain when one of us suffers. Many of us are hurting along with Doyle and his family. This is also a different week for our community. Families and teachers have already started back to school or, or are preparing to start back to school. And if we're honest, we are collectively holding our breath. Parents have decision fatigue. They are deeply concerned about concerned for their children at this point, not only for their physical safety, but also for their mental, emotional, spiritual, and social well-being. The virus is taking a toll on all of us, and it's only August. Educators, like so many of you, are doing the best they can with not great options. They've earnestly prepared to provide a safe and engaging education this year for every child in our community, while at the same time knowing that no matter what they do, there is risk. For every positive outcome right now, there are negative impacts. In times of stress and trauma, our bodies and our minds pull on an emergency reserve of strength that is referred to as surge capacity. This capacity serves us well in times 
of natural disasters, for example. But in a slow-moving and unrelenting situation like we've encountered with the pandemic, we eventually run out of surge capacity and find ourselves feeling more restless, unproductive, unable to focus, anxious, angry. Some of you are fatigued, trying to lead in a time of constant change. Some of you are just weary from limitations, not being able to do the stuff that we're used to being able to do. Some of us are angry and anxious. Some of us are sad and low. Some of us are just wishing all of this would go away and we're really tired of all the noise and all the fuss. Some of you are trying to figure out how to care for sick loved ones, how to grieve, how to navigate pregnancy and childbirth in a pandemic. While the pandemic affects all of us differently, it affects us nonetheless. And we're seeing these effects erupt in our political, financial, and social spheres. Several months ago, Doyle chose as our sermon text today, Psalm 133. And I'm not sure that there are more fitting or relevant words for us to turn to in this time of grief, uncertainty, and exhaustion. Psalm 133 is a psalm of ascents, a hymn that was traditionally used at the Feast of Tabernacles in the autumn, which was a religious feast celebrating the provision of God's care for the Israelites during their time in the wilderness. When we read a psalm of ascent, it's helpful to picture pilgrims who have traveled from great distances, descending upon the temple in Jerusalem, praying these words as they ascend the temple steps. In these ancient feast days at the temple, individuals, families, tribal groups from all corners of the world were transformed into a family, dwelling and feasting together for a short time a physical expression of their covenant with God and with one another. One of the things that's really challenging about this time is that we're not able to be present with each other in the ways that we're accustomed. We long in our hearts to gather physically to worship and study and minister together in the same sanctuary, classroom, meeting room, We want to be able to be together in the same office space, doctor's office, classroom, to just be with people that we love without fear. We'd like to be able to be with each other and not have to think and rethink it constantly. Often in the Bible, we read words from God via these human agents to God's created humanity. But the words of the Psalms are different, reflecting instead the words of humanity to God. The Psalter contains the prayers, songs, joys, griefs, questions, and longings of those who came before us in faith, people striving to define and deepen this lived covenant with God and one another. 
So written between the lines of Psalm 133 are 3,000 years worth of stories about building unity. You know, ancient Israel was not a stranger to disunity. They fought about worship, and a few of them ended up worshiping golden calves. They fought about kings and land and ended up dividing their kingdom in two. Their fights led them to utter defeat at the hands of superpowers. They experienced physical separation. They were forced to live as strangers in foreign lands. They endured relentless, slow-moving disasters. So when we hear these words about unity in Psalm 133, we must also hear how much work goes into building and maintaining unity. Unity is costly. We must hear the wisdom of unity for the sake of survival. We can be assured that our faith ancestors have stood where we stand and had to adapt their ways of practicing covenant faithfulness. We can be assured that there are some things for Christ followers that have not changed in these days and are not going to change. In our everyday lives, Christ is still, through ordinary, flawed, and inadequate people, through tired moms and dads, weary leaders, anxious and exhausted educators, grieving sons and daughters, through you and me, Christ is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this work. Christ's church is not a building. The mission of God is not limited by time or space. Christ's church is still an expression of reconciliation, love for neighbor, the intentional, persistent cultivation of well-being for all people. The invitation to join this work, to be formed in Christ and through Christ for the sake of the world, has not and will not change. Now, more than ever, the church is invited to seek unity in spaces of fragmentation and pain, that the world may be healed and refreshed. Psalm 133, before it was adapted for use in worship, was likely a wisdom saying in ancient Israel. The purpose of wisdom sayings was to provide instruction for right living and right faith. For the ancient Israelites, unity was a matter of survival. It was essential for extended families to coexist in peace in order to maintain social, religious, and political integrity. The image used in Psalm 133 draws upon the tradition of hospitality that was integral to the fabric of ancient Near Eastern life. Hospitality was an assumed practice in the ancient Near East. When a guest entered a person's home, the host would offer the guest oil from olives infused with spices and fragrances 
to refresh and preserve the guest's skin in the harsh and dry climate. The practice of hospitality in ancient Israel then was a way to practice unity, a way to refresh and preserve the integrity of the individual, the home, and the community in their harsh and abrasive times. I believe that the practice of hospitality is essential for us in this season. In many ways, we're being invited to step into a kinder, more receptive way of being with ourselves and with each other. Faced with many factors that are beyond our control, we're invited to lovingly host our own souls and our fellow companions, to hear our circumstances knocking at the doors of our hearts and to open those doors to embrace what is before us. These days you may find there are more strangers knocking at the door of your heart than you're used to. Guests you'd rather not host, like anxiety, anger, or hopelessness. Some of these guests are, are guests that you'd really like to come in and stay for a while, like deep joy, connection, gratitude. Unfortunately, we can't have one without the other. How might we experience the sheer grace of refreshment for our souls by embracing these guests of our minds, hearts, and bodies with compassion and tender care? I wonder who your companions are in this pandemic time. Who are the people to whom you are invited to extend hospitality? To whom can you open your front porch, your FaceTime app for a catch-up conversation? To whom can you offer gifts of food, listening ears, caring notes? I wonder how God is making a way in your heart and soul to love others more deeply and intentionally. God invites us into this practice of hospitality in order to refresh and heal our souls in this time of uncertainty and loss. Over the last few weeks, I've talked with not one and not two, but several people who are struggling. And they're struggling in a specific way as they begin to experience the effects of the pandemic on their mental well-being, their mental health. This week I talked with one of my dearest friends who's going through a particularly difficult time in her life right now. She's trained as a physician and a hospitalist and so she's cared for many patients and their loved ones as, they, as they've navigated similarly difficult times in their own lives. As we came to the end of our conversation, she said, so I'm trying to do what I tell my patients and their families to do. Try to eat healthily 
drink water, spend lots of time in the sunshine, be physically active when you can, reach out to friends, and try to sleep. I want to covenant with you, friends, to offer hospitality to ourselves, to intentionally refill our own reserves that have been depleted by the loss and change of the last six months. May we be assured that as we attend to our hearts, our minds, and our bodies, we will experience God's compassion in ways that refresh and preserve us. May we be filled anew with holy imagination and courage to join God's work in new and creative ways. Amen.